CBP stories are behind the scenes looks at the lives of your peers who have had an inspiring journey to become who they are today. We hope that their experiences and insight will help you better yourself in some way. Cheers. Good afternoon, Peter and Frizzy. I Hello. appreciate you guys finding time to come hang out with me for a little bit. Good to see you. Hey. No, good to see you as well. You threw me quite the curveball, and it's a great one because, Peter, I was only expecting to see you, and your wife's here as well. So I had some questions that I planned to throw your way, and honestly, I think the conversation is going to be a lot more fun now that she's here. Yeah, then I don't have to do the talking. I can just have a beer. Aww. It makes my job easier, too. So, Peter, I don't know if you remember this, and I'm 100% sure you do not. About, I think it was 2015, I was sitting at, I think, Victory Brewing in Pennsylvania, and I'm just sitting at the bar having a pint, and I heard a voice that I recognize. And I'm thinking to myself, why does this guy sound familiar? And at that point in time, I was doing a lot of home brewing, listening to a lot of podcasts, and I kept thinking to myself, I know this guy's voice. I know this guy's voice. I had heard you on a podcast slightly prior to that, and you were sitting next to me there at the bar, and like I said, at Victory, and I turned to you. You were the nicest guy in the world, and it was just a brief interaction we had, but I remember it. From my perspective, uh, we had driven all the way from uh, Philly, and I finally had a beer. I had the Brewmaster's Pilsner or something. It was really a good Pilsner. And it was like all I needed, you know? And then the conversation, uh, I was so relaxed having a beer show. <laughs> I know, after traveling, it's just nice to have that first pint. It's always something to look forward to. And I yeah. think that was, in, like I said, 2015 or so, quite some time ago. So yeah, Indeed. but that was when Belgium was first launching in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. The, but, I always ask okay. uh, when we were out and about uh, with New Belgium, uh, a lot was uh, hanging out with salespeople or doing some events. But uh, I always asked to see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then a brewery. And so the the brewery was the relaxing part always for me. You know, uh, you go hang, have a beer, chat with somebody else, and it was like minded, and so it always fun was. Awesome. Well, without a doubt. Now, I want to take things way, way back. I always like to ask the people I, I speak with, you know, when you were just a kid, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? I was going to be, I was probably three or four and I was going to be a bricklayer because they were building <laughs> a house next to us. And that looked like so much fun. Like those guys layer by layer a whole thing came out of the ground that was fantastic uh what else would i wanted to be when i grew up the, i remember that like as the first <laughs> one um i've been as a kid all over the place um but then i think in uh humaniora we call it so in Second, high school yeah, um it was high school already uh we had a great teacher on biology and chemistry um and he kind of uh opened my world on how chemistry of life really was. And that was for me very eye-opening. And then I did my entry exam or for however, I don't know how to translate that in that uh, subject in, when the heck was that? In 82 about uh, genetic modification or something, but uh, something that was completely out there that was not very, uh, was completely on the edge. And so I really wanted to do that. And so 
did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> that, so that brought me more. I want to do something with uh, life science. I want to really... Um, well, the thing that I remember from Peter is that um, in university, he was a bioengineer. And it's then that he decided to become a brewmaster because he's like, well, it's way more fun to taste your product than to smell some paint or whatever you're going to smell when you're a bioengineer. Um, for me, I first wanted to become a teacher, but then I kind of left my home uh, when I was 12 years old, brought my started bartending when I was 16 to bring myself to college as an accountant. <laughs> now, at what point in time did the both of you meet? When the heck was that, 89? 89. 89. Yeah. Um, I was a very intense cave climber. Um, we were doing really extreme stuff at that point. Um, and from time to time, we had to do um, showcase kind of what we did so that we got some members and some funding because we had so many ropes that we, we had over a thousand meters of ropes and whatever that we had to maintain and replace. And so I think that's where we first met. We met in um, an exhibition that was called Free Time. Oh, yeah? yeah. So we did a caving club for um, getting some exposure because you don't get much exposure in the ground. <laughs> now, Peter, I'm going to put you on the spot. What year did you two get married? 92. There you go. You got it. <laughs> October 10th awesome. coming up. October, yeah, uh, April 10th. April September 12th. For the church. <laughs> <laughs> April 10th for the city. So at what point in time did you decide that beer was your calling? You know, was it as you were, were you a home brewer at that time? Were you just drinking mm -hmm. something that No, um, for me, beer really came out of that biochemistry. Biochemistry then felt so boring because it was nanograms and uh, microliters. And we had a brewing department in our university. And every time we passed there, we saw those guys moving stuff around with hoses, with their boots on. And well, maybe we should do that. And so for me, I really stumbled in it. It's here in the US, we have way more homebrewers coming in. Homebrewing scene is not that big and existing in Belgium um, at that point, and still not too much. Uh, and so most people that uh, end up professional in brewing, uh, do brewing engineer, there's still five universities teaching that in Belgium, who's way too much for such a small country. And, and Frazy, from your perspective, I know you had said you wanted to be a teacher. Did you end up teaching or what career field did you go into? So when I was 16, I started bartending and um, um, my parents really wanted me to go to the university in Belgium. Teaching is only like a community college, we call it, and they really wanted me to go to university. So I became a certified financial planner. Um, but um, to make it all around, I kept on bartending first in Belgium and now here. So. And before we moved, she ended up uh, at the police force in Belgium, Yeah. who was a uh, a very yeah. nice crew to go out with in Belgium. The first time that she were the first week she was working there so on Friday, why don't you come to the police office? Because I went with the train to Rodenbach. And so it was close to the train station. And I go there and she's like, why don't you go to the third floor? 
And on the third floor, it's Belgian police. They have a full-fledged bar um, so that they can people bring people in that are in distress and basically put them a bit at ease. And so I had to sell a in distress. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the police force. <laughs> Um, yeah, as certified financial planner, I, I only worked as an accountant for one year and loved doing something different every day. And that was just too boring for me. I couldn't do it. So then I went to the police force. Cool. Sounds exciting. <laughs> now, for the both of you, because you both own Purpose Brewing together, Purpose Brewing mm -hmm. and Cellar. But this isn't your first brewery, Peter. You guys, you owned Deswingle. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Amazing. That was your first venture into entrepreneurship. Did you own it together? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this came actually kind of out of home brewing. Um, as a, I did some investments in Rodenbach, there was some smaller equipment that kind of got set aside. And so I took that home and we started using that for brewing, like on a 30 liter, like a 10 gallon scale. And, <laughs> then, <laughs> and then we bought a a five hectoliter so a four barrel um, mash lauder ton from another brewery and then we didn't have other equipment around it and yeah suddenly we got sucked in and we ended up having a brewery <laughs> that's so funny because so many home brewers just end up growing their equipment so i guess you made good use out of it <laughs> yeah yeah but it was all the old yeast vessels from rodema that i started with so <laughs> So I, I take it you both ran that business together. What was that experience like? You know, what roles did both of you, you know, have back then at that first brew pub together? So in the brew pub, both it was a weekend job, and the main thing we did there was um, buses. So big groups coming in all at once, leaving all at once. So on invitation. So Peter was still with the Borodenbach. I was still with the police force. Um, and yeah, I was bartending and he was brewing. Don't, don't imagine, and uh, this is, uh, what, 94, Four. somewhere in Belgium. And the beer market in Belgium is very established and not very innovating. So what we did was just one beer. Mm -hmm. um, we had water from the tap if you wanted some water. Um, but if you wanted food, you could bring it in. Uh, or we catered it in if it was a bus. So we kept it very simple because it was a side job for us. Eh? Wow. So you only had one beer. And what was that beer that you had on tap? It was um, it was Hacken. It was not Hacken here. What yeah, was the name? Um, the, it was a blonde beer that we made actually with the Rodenbach yeast, who was basically a mixed culture yeast that we were trying to avoid any impact or as much impact as possible from lactobacilli. And so it was only slightly sour, but um, it was uh, the, sl the slight sourness was actually very confusing because the alcohol was actually up there. And so we gave our farewell party there in Belgium there and so many people got wasted because there was such an easy drinking beer and they were. As an afterthought, we should send you some pictures of the swingle because the bar itself was a brew kettle, the dancing floor was a filter of the mesh tun, and then we have all those wooden planks around the dancing floor. Yeah, the wooden planks were from Fudish, so it was actually, Beautiful. the location was fantastic. The more you talk about this brew pub, the more fascinating I get. Frizzy, mm -hmm. you said it had a dance floor. 
Is that correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. I you, love you don't meet a lot of breweries these days that have a dance floor. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about the type of events you had there. So, uh, like I said before, it was always um, groups. So, so that we had a whole group coming in, a whole group going out, so that we never were stuck with one customer. Um, anniversary parties, wedding parties, uh, just cyclists. Yeah. Always groups. Because we are very, we were basically open for groups. Uh, so if you wanted to do something, we were open. If you didn't want to do anything, we were closed. <laughs> so everybody who came knew there'd probably be dancing involved, I take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have live music there? No. 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 No? Uh, interesting. That's a fascinating. So what were the challenges? The biggest party we had there was 200 people. That was our goodbye party. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, we we really there was a niche for um, basically bus traffics or or other groups that came uh, by and that needed a pee break basically and also wanted to have some entertainment and so that was kind of what we filled in as we couldn't really do it. We had to take a half day off. It was during the week, you know. And us. So purpose is right next to the bike trip, uh, bike lane. Same for uh, the Zwingle. It was right next to the bike strip. And yeah, just groups, either a bus or bikers, cyclists. It sounds like a great place to visit. Now, what challenges did you learn while you were there running this business together? Were there any certain mistakes? <laughs> that you there we go. I want to hear that. what that laugh's about. <laughs> not not going to the states and just saying split them gone. There were a lot of uh, challenges, but um, the building was owned by a, uh, a used brewing equipment guy, and so he, we basically were like, "Oh, I need a spray ball. Let's go look uh, on the fourth level and find a spray ball." So that was easy on getting it, but then. Um, I needed a heat exchanger from the brew house. And he's like, oh, I don't have a heat exchanger. And then via via in the other, in the brewing industry, I heard, oh, but he actually has a pasteurizer. Oh, so I can use a pasteurizer as a heat exchanger for a cooling word. And so, so it, we sometimes had to find it via via what he uh, had. Um, taxes were interesting because uh, uh, this uh, location or that tax um, area only had one brewery and had never seen a new brewery. So we had all the tax people in there the first day that we're brewing the whole day. And do you have beer? I'm like, no, we're brewing the first time. <laughs> like, it, it was Belgium. It was, uh, it was good. I was working at the police force. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's a challenge so many small brewery owners face. They're running a brewery, you know, while also still, you know, balancing their other job. I mean, I think that's so common in today's industry as well. Yeah, yeah it's, but I, it was a fun project, but it was a, to me, the key part was a, I started to get bored in, in Rodenbach where I didn't give enough challenges anymore. And so I was already searching for something new and that was fun because I learned some small business aspects in Belgium. Um, uh, but then when we met uh, Kim and Jeff suddenly, um, like, oh, wow, maybe that is a whole different <laughs> challenge. So, Had you thought at any point prior that you were going to pack up your lives and move to the States to pursue something brewing related? No. No. 
Not at all. Even uh, at the moment that we were talking, that was in the Boston Craft Brewers Conference in 96, when they were mentioning that they were looking for a Belgian brewer, my first thought was like, oh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you just heard, you know, we have a full time day job and we do a brewery on the side and we want to do caving. <laughs> like, we're looking for something else, right? And so crazy. Were you there? Were you there during those conversations with Peter? So how did that go? Like, I mean, obviously, Peter, you were like, good luck with it. What was the added touch that made you start to consider moving over to Colorado? Oh, secret? Yeah, so <laughs> somebody comes in and we're not open here, so. Just go to mine. So we were sitting both, and um, in the evening we were talking to Daryl and um, somebody from what, from which brewery? Yeah, so in the evening we were talking with Daryl Goss, who was running Cambridge Brewing at that point. And he was kind of the guy who really convinced us uh, on exploring the ID. He was like, do you know where Colorado is? I'm like, no. Um, and they're like, he's like, this brewery, it's kind of an up-and-coming brewery. Yeah. Why don't you give it a try? I'm like, why would we give it a try? It's like your invocation. Why don't you do it? So we first drove to Maine and turned to the uh, falls. Which falls there's like Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Um, and then in Chicago, we were like, well, why don't we? We have three weeks here in the States. Why don't we actually go to Colorado and see what it is? Um, so we drove um, in Colorado. I saw the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, and I was like, oh my gosh. Dum, 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 dum. Um, and um, Peter came over. He went to the brewery, had a three day interview, but mainly uh, Kim and Brian Callahan. Um, and then he got more and more interested, and then I was like, "Oh shit! I really, oops, I shouldn't say that. I really, really love my job in Belgium. I didn't mean this." <laughs> so I was first <coughs> really interested, and then he got interested, and I was like, "Oh no, what am I doing?" So we went back and forth for a couple of times, but yeah. So we did a whole road trip from Boston back and forth, and it was it was fun, a little bit tense. <laughs> uh, just the conversation that we had while we were not sleeping because we sometimes drove through the night. <laughs> yeah. That must have been a very exciting time because moving, you know, to a brand new state's one thing, but a brand new country. I mean, there's so many challenges in the learning curve. So when you decided to finally pack up and say goodbye, do your, you know, awesome party where everybody got wasted, you know, what was the first observation you made in America? You're like, people do what? And you got just really confused. Is there anything that, you know, just blew your mind? All the mailboxes next to each other. <laughs> like a whole apartment complex full of mailboxes. Or even in the rural areas where you see uh, a wooden bar with mailboxes on. <laughs> yeah. And the, it was, yeah, I, it's not so different, Europe and the US, but uh, you see quite a bit new. You see with new eyes or new country, and then especially living in it and also working and interacting with people, um, how they do business, how they work, uh, and then especially New Belgium was then a pretty unique place also to work in. Um, so a lot of the stuff was like, whoa, what, uh, how are things going here? What really intrigued us in the States compared to, to Europe is, yes, the States is way younger compared to Europe, the history, 
but also people act that way. The people always pick up on something new. Like here in Purpose, we have a new beer every weekend. Whereas in, in Belgium, it's history, it's calm, it's like seniors over there. <laughs> Be careful, don't move too fast, you know. We also discovered that a house is made of cardboard or something like that instead of brick because I started hammering on the wall to put something in and I went through the wall. I'm like, what? What did we just buy? We This is a house made in cardboard? And it's not cardboard, it's something else, but I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a really interesting observation because one of my favorite things when I get to travel to Europe is the mix of history with modern culture. You'll see like a church that's, you know, a thousand years old and next to it, you'll have a McDonald's. And my wife and I love seeing things like that. You don't get that feeling in America, but at the same time, like you mentioned, go ahead. No, you're fine. I was going to throw another question out there. Like you you don't receive that feel in America because we're such a young country. Mm -hmm. So when you go ahead, Frezzy. The funny thing is that you mentioned you have that history and on the same time you see the mcdonald's that's an american thing that you see <laughs> in europe the spring up thing and perhaps. The, yeah perhaps yeah. that was the and, <laughs> and then especially here out west uh, the history is very young uh, uh for collins 1870 uh, like 1870 like oh really like <laughs> 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 oh it's a we we did some caving here and uh if you're over, sorry, everything that's found in a cave that's over 50 years old is historical trash. So currently I would be historical trash now if I go caving. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So working at New Belgium, because after that little stint of running your own brew pub, the two of you, you know, what did it feel like to go back to work for someone else? I know like Frezzy, you were still kind of working for someone else while you were in Belgium, but you know, for Peter, for you to go into a company that wasn't yours, what was that experience like? No, no, no. So while we were running the Zwingel, I also had, uh, I also was working at Rodema. So uh, Rodema, I was doing pretty much everything and uh, Rodema, it's a big place, but it's actually a relatively small brewery. And so, um, after 10 years there, um, the day I gave my resign, I, I went to the CEO and said, look, um, I'm going to give my resign. And he starts tearing up and because, yeah, he didn't really have somebody right away to replace me. It's also Europe, so they could require me to stay on for a while until they can bring somebody up. And uh, then and they could, uh, re- at that point, they could require for six months. So hey, I was still working there until basically the last three weeks um, before we left. Uh, um, so I've always worked uh, uh Except for now, I guess, for the boss. But now Frizzy is the boss. Eh? Yeah, but on the other hand, Kim <laughs> Jordan always let you do what you wanted to do. She never, you were never under her. You were always next to her. Yeah. Um, it, this was young Bill Homebrewer who started a brewery that grew way too fast. And um, there were a lot of foundations that were not brought in place. And you come in from a more established brewing country and you're like, oh, wow. There's stuff that needs to be done, simple stuff eh, on on cleaning, on 
uh, inspecting welds, um, and just the backbone of brewing. And that, for me, made me very enthusiastic, but it was also very confusing for them. Like, we just had put in a new location. I'm like, this is not going to work. We need to cut this out. And they're like, we just invested in this. It was just, um, there was no, yeah, it was a homebrew. There was no backbone. People didn't understand stainless, um, didn't understand process, didn't understand uh, cleaning really truly. Homebrewers understand cleaning, but they are not able, or they're not used to dealing with, in this case, it was 500 hectoliter fermenters. And so uh, I was like, wait, we need to stand still. We need to work on fundamentals out. Otherwise, we're going to run into trouble. But this is the US. You don't stand still. Hey, we, work, we were going, going, going while I was trying to fix uh, what we had done or what was done before. At any point in time, did you regret your decision to, you know, leave your home country to come to the States in those early, you know, months? For Peter right now, because he's yawning to go. We lost that um, exactly a year ago. So mom has been in Belgium and we cannot visit her. So right now it's really hard on Peter. Other than that, probably not. Yeah. If you take a step back uh, from a professional brewing career, and Belgium is very well established. Some of my friends are still working at the same brewery that um, uh, they were working in at the moment I left. And that is very typical in Belgium. Yeah? And they don't even question it. And for me, I think you're way richer if you get to experience another culture. As some of my brewing class um, students that I was with, uh, quite a bit live abroad and we all have, I think, rich lives because we got in contact with different uh, cultures, different places, did things way more than getting stuck. I, I probably could have worked in Rodema still as Rudy still does. Mm -hmm. and he made his whole career there yeah. um, and I would be fine, you know? Um, but then the opportunity or absorbing and working and living in a whole different world, I think, and especially in the US, in this stage, has been fantastic. Because it was a growing craft beer market. People kept on making new beers. We have to keep on growing, uh, the physical growing the plant. Um, we were experimenting with man management styles. Um, it was fantastic. And that's also why I love going now to um, South America because they are, they are where we were, where America was 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I truly believe life is all about experiences. We don't take ourselves outside our comfort zones, then we don't have the opportunity to learn. And I, I'm a traveler myself. I miss traveling right now. I'm mm -hmm. itching to get back on the road, whether it's just driving a state away or, you know, a country 6,000 miles away. I think we all very much miss that right now. And crazy, mm -hmm. I have to ask you. So when you, you know, first accompanied your husband to Colorado, you know, how was that for you? How hard was it to get accustomed to the culture? And what were you doing during those early days when he was at the brewery? So the hardest one for me, I've always longed for responsible jobs and stuff. Um, like right now, see CEO of Purpose Woo. Um, it's really fun for me because it's a responsibility. When we first moved over, I moved over with an espoused FISM and I had to sit at home. I was not allowed to work. I helped out a lot, I volunteered a lot. We got kids in 99, was the first born. Um, but 
the first months, the first year moving over was really hard that I was not able to get a work permit. What did you do? You said you volunteered. What else did you do to pass the time? Um, mostly volunteering, uh, especially helping next to Peter. I worked in every department in Belgium. Fact, worked next to Peter in every department in Belgium. Um, teaching and did a lot for the elementary schools and middle schools. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you kept yourself pretty busy then. That was fun. Painted, so painted a couple of houses. <laughs> oh, cool. So following that first year, were you able to actually get a paying job? So I became an American. I'm dual citizenship. Yeah. And at that point in time, when Peter was at New Belgium, what were you doing? New Belgium. Oh, you were there as well. Understood. And what, what was your yeah. exact role? Yeah. Did you play packaging or what department were you primarily in? No. So originally with Peter, before the boys, I was everywhere in New Belgium. Every, well, New Belgium was 30, 30 employees on that moment. And then I took take care of the boys, took care of the schools, and then came back to New Belgium, mainly as, uh, giving tours, uh, bartending, and teaching the, the, the new employees that are coming in. That's fantastic. Now, Peter, you mentioned management a couple minutes ago. You know, going from Rodenbach to New Belgium, what were the greatest ch changes you experienced in management styles between Americans and Belgians? Yeah, um, Rodenbach and in general uh, Europe um, was unionized. It's quite different than how you see unions here, uh, but it, there were general contracts made, so there wasn't really wage discussions uh, from manager to uh, employee. Um, it was a, it was also more a settled environment. Uh, there was not much dynamic. I got some money to do some investments, and I got some more opportunities within the brewery as I, I worked there longer. But uh, it was way more settled. Then here uh, in New Belgium, when we started, they. But maybe the kind of the thing that most struck me was a month after I worked here, we went with all employees in a, on a retreat in uh, the mountains. And Kim and Jeff were just saying, like, look, um, we're, we want to give a part of the company to the employees. Now you guys are the employees. You guys figure out how you're going to divide it up. Uh -huh, like, what is this? Like, hey, um, had never really thought about that, had never really considered. They were already doing open book management. So every month we got together with employees, although we were not owners, uh, and we talked about financials. And sometimes somebody in the room was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to reduce the glue on the labels. Could we split that out on the PL? And they're like, okay, we'll split it out. So he could see the financial results of the little project that he was doing. Um, and so that was for me like completely new. We also started trying to, hey, we were growing so fast that we were trying to get our legs underneath us on who do we want to be. And so we did that very broad, a larger management group, but also we brought from time to time, we were not that big as a company there, but we brought in all employees and we were discussing, look, we have been considering, we could be continue to grow and we called it should we go to Texas or not? But it didn't mean Texas. It was, should we go, uh, are we going to continue to invest in this physical plant here? 
it's going to open opportunities for you, but it's also going to be bigger. And so it was a very uh, unfamiliar management style that uh, was happening, maybe specific for New Belgium, but also part to the US. And at what point in time, you know, did you realize that you'd spend a huge bulk of your career at New Belgium versus just an opportunity to have your first brewing job in the States? To me, um, I always, so when we established ownership, we said, okay, the newbies, and I was one of the newbies, have to be accepted for ownership. And so during that ownership speech, the main question was, because I was the foreigner, um, how long are you going to stay here? And yeah. to me, that's a stupid question um, in the sense that I always said I want to stay as long as I can learn. Absolutely. And people thought I was very uncommittal, but then the learning path in New Belgium was so variant over time. I always had the same title, but my my position really changed over time. So why did people think you were non-committal? Because I didn't want to say I was going to stay here forever. I would just say that I'm going to stay here as long as I can learn. Understood. So let's kind of fast forward. You know, you, you stayed there quite a long time. I mean, you're very well known for your career at New Belgium. You've done amazing things there. At what point in time did the both of you get that entrepreneurial itch to want to start something of your own again? So that's probably what Peter was going for when he just started, when he said back in time, hey, you want to become an owner? Well, how long are you going to stay here? As long as I can learn. So then when he decided to give his to resign, so Peter resigned in New Belgium 2016. I just 17. was 17. I just was signed in July, this last July. Um, but that was exactly what he said to him. He's like, I'm not learning anymore. So I'm not learning fast enough. Yeah. Um, we just have put in a Asheville was up and running, and that was a fantastic project from find the location to design, build, uh, and then uh, deal with your own um, mistakes or whatever, and basically do the startup. was a fantastic experience that uh, I loved it. And then I came back from Asheville, and I'm like, what do I do now? And so I took a sabbatical in New Belgium, Every 10 years, you could take a sabbatical. It was only like six weeks or something, or but um, really reflected quite a bit and talked with a lot of brewery owners and, and brewers, of course. And it really appeared to me that uh, there's so much beauty still in American brewing. Um, why don't I do something, try to add again in, uh, from to that perspective from a very small brewery? And so... The, as I was traveling uh, through the Western US, uh, the idea became, how can I get it smaller? How can I get it smaller? How can I get it smaller? So, I understand that entrepreneurial itch for sure, but just thinking about when you're in a relationship for 20 years, I can't even imagine because I've never done it before. But, you know, when you've been <laughs> with someone, been with a company that long, you know, how did that weigh on you mentally to have to think about leaving? <laughs> I mean, you, you make a decision and you kind of have to go to uh, giving your resign. And I was very nervous around that because after such a great relationship, you don't want to blow that up. And 
it was a hard discussion and we or kim maybe was smart enough to say like let's take a break and let's get back together in a couple of hours and that really helped for settling her um, because i knew where i was walking into but i didn't want to break the relationship and then we met at her house we cracked a beer and we sat together and um we left hugging and kissing as it should have been in new belgium you know yeah, and then she asked me to stay on even for uh, pretty much the rest of the year so that was another nine months and i'm like yeah of course hey i didn't want to break pots uh and pants is mm -hmm. that how you say that well, right. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want to be yeah uh after such a long relationship eh? like pictures behind you yeah and were you planning purpose brewing while you were finishing up your time in new belgium or did you start planning that adventure you know following your departure um i was already planning on that before so i started um looking uh, freezy's requirement at that point was that uh, the boys are still in high school here we have to do something in town so we started exploring um locations uh possibilities um and we weren't even planning to do that that fast but uh suddenly we really got an offer that we couldn't refuse on an existing brewery and basically a week later we had a brewery on our hands and that was a uh, um, end of 16. but we closed that brewery and we started brewing for barrels because we had a lot of barrels here and we wanted to have a barrel program so we brewed like for five months for barrels um, filled up the room with barrels and then started working on how can we make this our brewery because it was an existing brewery that felt kind of relatively cold and we wanted to make it way warmer feeling and so that all happened and somewhere during that brewing period i said i i need to start moving on so i need to give my resign so it had to be very exciting times yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a window here so uh, i was never close to the window when i was working here it was a very stealth operation um trying to do this um doing it in the evenings again doing it in the weekends you know um whatever it took eh? Now, you mentioned one thing about wanting to turn the, the brewery that you took over into your own. And going through your website, I absolutely love the storytelling you have there. And I want to read a couple lines that you had on your, your little description. And it says, the proud fruit of this little acorn is what we hope to nurture at Purpose Brewing and Cellars. Just as the acorn does with nutrients, minerals, and water from the soil to become a gallant tree. Purpose Brewing and Cellars wants to do exactly the same. And, and I love that. I love the story you have on your website. So how important is storytelling in both, you know, explaining what your company stands for, but also the beer that you produce? It's immensely important. I didn't realize that it being a brewer in Belgium. Um, in the U.S., as a brewer, you become front of the brewery who is who was very confusing for me like i'm i'm the guy who makes beer you know um and i need to go talk to so and so that was very confusing for me but the storytelling is actually a very beautiful part i think about america uh, about us and uh, today we stopped at a brewery and you kind of ask eh, how did you become what are you about and there's really great stories and great learnings in it I think beer is worth a story. 
any beer. And there's always some thoughts like this week, we did a bike trip in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, and we were staying with a friend and the neighbor had uh, mesquite beans. Uh, and so we grabbed some and we were trying to dissolve them in some beer. And so this weekend, we're going to have uh, honey mesquite bean beer here. And, but it's an authentic story. It's Frazy and Peter just biking in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, hanging with uh, a buddy that we know for a long time and climbing over the wall from the neighbor to get some beans and uh, um, starting playing with that. And there's a beer. Yeah, it happens like this. So my dad is an, is an sculptor. And we, when somebody asked him, how long did it take you to make this sculpt, uh, sculpture? And he always answered, three days and 30 years. Because there's so much story coming on, and then all of a sudden you have it. It doesn't take long to actually make it. There's so much history behind it. That's good, eh? That's the acorn, eh? Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting because it almost combines, you know, your background and coming from Belgium and the history of Europe. You take that storytelling, the history with the American culture, the American innovation, Mike, and, and you close? combine it into your current, you know, your brewery at purpose. Go ahead. <laughs> you didn't follow that. Sorry. I'm sorry. Could you just repeat that for one time? Sorry, no, so it's sorry. all good. I was saying that you've combined the history and storytelling of Europe with the innovation and, you know, the modern aspects of American brewing culture, which is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's, I think, yeah, I think that's exactly our history. Just um, in one of in, Belg in New Belgium, they love to ask you, hey, if you would be a beer, what beer would you be? And I always thought that was a transatlantic because there's so much history behind it. And then you come over and there's a new beginning, a new thing, a new spark. Yeah. Yeah. And, Go, sorry. Go ahead, Peter. It's all interconnected. Eh? It's not uh, alo standing alone. But I was thinking, uh, for me, I had worked on a book, uh, Wood and Beer. Mm -hmm. And then you see what coopers do with oak trees and how they select an oak tree and what what passion that they have for an oak tree. And you see, I'm just using barrels to make beer, but it goes so far down and it goes back to the roots of the acorn. And so it was for me, it's a striking moment that you see that passion from a whole different business that you don't know too much about it, who has stories on his own that completely translate into what you can do with it. And yeah, people in a bar, uh, we want to hear uh, about a beer, but the story is really what sticks in my eyes. And I people the really- story is what people, absolutely. Talking about that story and thinking about when we were <laughs> early, newly engaged, buying girlfriends, um, and uh, where we were spelunking in, in the balloons to the, the French part of Belgium, Peter always drank the same beer, Chile. So for his next birthday, I brought that beer home and he was almost like, what the heck are you doing? I'm like, sorry, I thought you loved that beer, you always drink it. Yeah, but that beer has so much story behind it. That beer is only for that location. That's where it meant to be. You cannot bring it home. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> No, I love that. And Peter, when you sent over your bio, I was reading that you have a title at the brewery, Chief of Wisdom and Other Nonsense. Where did that come from? 
I, when I moved here, it was three days before the GABF. And so Kim and Jeff and Brian and Stacy, they're like, oh, we're going to a beer festival this weekend in Denver. Do you want to join us? And we walk in the GABF, 96, it was small, but it was so huge compared to what we know mm-hmm. in Belgium. And so we get one ounce of beer in a glass. And I really like the beer. And I started talking to the brewer and he starts talking and talking <laughs> about this beer. And I tried to say like hey uh, like my glass is empty and he just kept on he just kept on talking and i think you need to realize that beer is only 10 minutes of pleasure it's something you're gonna taste it you're gonna be like oh wow this is really good you want to know a little bit but after that you know it's about entertainment and people want to hang out with their friends chat with their friends they don't want to chat with me for an hour and so um, that's why I wanted to bring down wisdom also to the level of nonsense and play with that term Uh, um, you don't want to be that overpowering wisdom guy no I'm also chief of other nonsense so I think you need a good mix of wisdom and nonsense to make the world go round it keeps life entertaining Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Crazy. How about yourself? Do you have any, you know, unique titles like that to go along with you? So, um, like I said, well, um, I only left New Belgium this last July during COVID, or I would still be there. Um, so, my, I'm the CEO Tinkerbell. So, my main thing that I was going to do in purpose every now and then, if something went good or wrong. Make sure the bell rings from, hey, we need to do that a different way. But I'm still working in New Belgium. So I don't have too much time, but I'm that angel, that flender on the wall. So every now and then, ding, 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 ding. So see your thinker bell. I love it. I absolutely love it. So working together as a couple, have you had any challenges, you know, working, you know, as husband and wife? Has there ever been a moment where you regret the decision to, you know, involve your spouse in the business? We don't have a moment of regretment, but I think we have different management skills. And way more like, hey, this has to be done this way. Whereas Peter is way more, hey, if you can do it yourself and petering out, you do it. I don't need to be involved in that anymore. It always delivers some stress for a couple, but it's only a business, you know? It- it's it's a business. It's an entity where you have people living in. It's it's not your complete life. So you can disagree uh, on the business um, about aspects of the business, and in the end, it's only the business, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to separate your personal from work sometimes. My wife and I do the same thing where it's good to just unwind, forget about work, and like, look, we're married together. We might work together, but let's have a little fun sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of times. So, but yeah. Like, speaking of fun, you know, in conversations these days, you see the argument, you know, is the industry about the quality of the beer or is it about the marketing? Because, you know, everybody's making really good beer these days. And, you know, whether it's more about the quality, whether it's about the marketing, I don't want to talk about those two. What percentage of craft beer is simply about the fun, having a good time, the community? Where does that play into the equation? 80%. Yeah, for me, the reason why I'm here um, is the community, for really. Um, because 
and now especially in COVID, like we had such a hard time. Uh, there's 21 or 20 breweries in for Collins and we checked in on each other. We have a beer, we chat about the issues we have like, oh, I can help you on that. I have uh, blah, 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 or, and so it's been, the community has been very interested, very, that's for me where it hangs on. It's also on such a small business where you run a tap room. Um, it's also about the community of your customers. A lot of our customers are our friends. It, it's, it's beyond being a customer. Uh, we go bike with them, we go, we do things together. Uh, they just happen to be customers that we met here, um, as a brewery should be. Uh, it's a, a place where people meet. And that is, for me, a very important thing. And it's also, uh, I still can have fun and create whatever, and people are going to try it anyway. Whatever those uh, mesquite uh, honey beans, they're going <laughs> to drink it, and they're going to have passion around it, hate or love, you know. But uh, you can still play in that aspect, too. But the community is very important for me nowadays in this world here. And, and it's, totally quite it's totally different than any other business. I think the brewery world is so amazing, so much fun because we do have the community. Go to any other industry and they have so many secrets. They don't want to work together. Um, right now, during COVID, we have the health, the vaccination companies who all work together. They, know, they didn't do that before. Only breweries are doing that. So working together as a team, are there any goals you still want to accomplish together? There's so much, you know, life is too short. Um, for me, I want to learn. And um, it was the Craft Brewers Conference in, in um, Portland. That was kind of, for me, a first kick in the butt i was talking to don't know why and how uh, to somebody and he's like oh i want to start a brewery i'm like yeah why do you want to start a brewery i was like yeah um i just gonna try to grow it as fast as possible and then i'm gonna flip it in uh, five years i'm like oh wow we reached this point in our history in the u.s craft brewing and that's i think where um this is only the u.s you know there's so much more potential um, or there's so much young enthusiasm in so many different countries still. And I'm dreaming about doing something there, helping people out. We become as experienced brewers and some simple sticks, simple stuff. We've made twice mistakes with that. So we kind of answer with like nothing. And so I really want to, take it broader again and get my fingers in um, in way more different uh, markets and way more different um, levels of brewing. Keep it there. Now, just like when you left Belgium to come to Colorado, I mean, you came from an established industry to a young industry. And now the U.S. industries grown quite a bit over the past few decades. I mean, you talk about helping, you know, other places and Frezzy, I know you mentioned you enjoy when you go to South America. Do you think you would ever move to another country again and get involved in the brewing industry there? I would love to. Hey, life How about is your wife? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we are, um, we are, 
ready to travel, looking forward, like you mentioned it yourself, looking forward and that COVID is a little more established to travel again. You, you've got that. <laughs> so speaking of travel, you know, where are the places in the world you still want to visit? So many. <laughs> well, you, you don't have that one you know, on your bucket list. But the dead every continent, uh, except for Antarctica. We went twice to Japan, five times to Africa. Um, we went to South America. We were actually going um, March, a year ago, March 15. Peter was in Brazil. Was We were going to meet each other in Patagonia. And I called them like, Peter, you're coming home. I'm not coming to you. So we have to pick that back up. Yeah, so we, we when we married, we said we wanted to see the world. Um, moving to the US was kind of interesting because then we could change base. Um, we had the kids, 99, 2000. Um, initially, we couldn't travel too much or we had to go to Belgium, of course, for the family. Um, and then... Uh, um, and then we traveled quite a bit with the kids, but now we're kind of free again. So it's time again to start moving, shaking. Until they have kids, not just kidding. <laughs> I, I hope they're not listening today. No. <laughs> That's fascinating because we mentioned we travel quite a bit during this conversation. We all crave it. I mean, I can only imagine the challenges that you would face again and the excitement of moving to a new country all over again. I mean, just the energy that would flow through your body to that excitement level, it's something that would make me so anxious and nervous, but so like, you know, I don't know, exciting at the exact same time. But you, when you mentioned the word comfort zone, you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone to um, really learn faster again and uh, i want challenges uh, in the coming years a bit about this on trying to find maybe do we want to settle somewhere else or um yeah how do we move on uh, and so that creates so much anxiety that i'm so passionate uh, for me oh yeah that's great the the biggest challenge for me um and I think it's just because I give all the tours in Belgium and I had so many questions like, hey, stranger, where are you from? So the biggest challenge for me is we lived here since 96. And still today, people ask me where I'm from. And I still have a big challenge for that. I know I have a huge accent. But going back to South America, so um, this Africa, to a country where you don't speak that language, I know it's going to be another challenge for me. It's gonna be so much fun. No, I, I love the attitude both of you have because I, I think your accent and where you're from, that's part of your story. That that's why we're here today, because it's who you are, it's what makes you interesting. It's a huge part of you and that positivity that both of you radiate. I mean, I can feel it through the screen right now. I mean, we're not even <laughs> impressed how great a time we would have. <laughs> I gotta say that's the first one of those I've seen on one of these. So everybody, you know what? That's what's amazing. You guys have been, you know, married for how many years now? 
two years. You <laughs> <laughs> made the 92. <laughs> I mean, that's absolutely amazing. And just you, you love working together still. That, that story is inspiring. You've been a success as a couple. You've been a success in business. And you're just looking forward to, you know, adventures together for the rest of your lives. I really envy that. And I hope my wife and I, we continue to have the same love that you both have. So. Peter and Frenzy, this has been a fantastic and really inspiring conversation. I'm really much looking forward to sharing beers in person someday. Hopefully it won't be like when we were in Pennsylvania together, Peter, where it was just a blip in both of our lives. Hopefully we get to enjoy the moment and, and tell a story. Yeah. It would be yeah, awesome. well, well, you're always welcome here in Purpose Brewing. Well, I'm hopefully heading out to Denver and Colorado in the fall. So hopefully we make it happen then. Okay, I really, yeah. really appreciate you both of you taking the time today. This has been fantastic. Enjoy your floof. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Here's talk to you later. See ya. Good to talk to you. You as well. <laughs>